All right, man. So welcome to the parlay, real people, real talk. Today's guest, Jonathan Pang, martial artist slash stuntman, all around good guy. Jonathan, man, how you doing, man? How you living? Let us know what's I'm up. I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, just uh, just trucking along here in the film industry. Um, and how has that been since, like, um, you know, obviously the slowdown. Everybody's feeling that slowdown. What's it been like? How has it affected the, the industry? Yeah, there was a, everything got shut down for a while back in uh, March, like last year. Last year, this time, I guess, everything got shut down. But then within a couple months, things were up and running again. It's a little, little bit of like a two-for-one special now because anytime you get booked for a work day, you also have to have a COVID test day which uh, if, if you're in the, the performers union, then uh, they've, they've fought for us to have an eight hour call just for the COVID test. And they've also pulled them back from like the nasal pharyngeal swab, which is like the back of your throat, the brain tickler. Yeah. You like just like one centimeter into your nose. So it's like, it's not that bad. It's just a nose tickle, it doesn't tickle your brain. And well, there's, there's people from the medical community that are iffy about that because of like, oh, it's not as accurate or whatnot. But yeah. that's where they met between economics and medicine. They were like, we got to get people to work. They're not going to consent to the other one. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, everybody's got an opinion on that, I guess. Um, but without getting into that too much, are you living out in BC, like permanent residence, because that's where the industry is busiest? Or are you out there? you know, for however long you have to film and then kind of head back here. No, I pretty much moved here. Just like straight up, like leap of faith. Moved <laughs> over here. That takes a lot of balls, man. Talk, talk to you through that process. How is it? Because honestly, like, uh, you know, that's one thing my father did, you know, he recognized that, um, you know, where he was at was not, uh, he didn't see a very good future there for his family. And uh, he made the move to, to go to a different country. I mean, it's not a different country, but still that's quite a ways yeah talk to me about that what was that like um it was uh it was serendipitous because like i was in i was in toronto trying to work my way into the film industry since i would say 2013 that's kind of when i met the larger community in toronto and and then i just was just hustling along trying to get uh unionized but it's that whole thing of like, you need experience before you get experience. How do you, you get experience without experience? How do you get into the union? You gotta yeah. be on a union set, you have to work union days. And we're like, well, how do I get union days if I'm not union? And it just keeps going. Um, <laughs> so how long did it take to get into the union? Uh, I didn't get in until I came to Vancouver to, to scout it out in 2018. Wow. And I wasn't really expecting to get unionized, but I just kind of fluked on a gig. It was like, literally like 4.30 on a Friday and they like call me up it's like hey drive out to this uh, studio in the suburbs what, what size shoe are you and I'm like oh, that's great. And next thing you know it's just like just a whirlwind of circumstance next thing you know I'm like full union and whatnot so what was your first gig that you were like yes this is fucking going somewhere um because I know I recently seen you in that show that was on um it was on Netflix there. Yeah. Uh, what, was that, what was it called again? Wu Assassins, probably. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's pretty dope, yeah, man. That's the one. That was 2018. They were like, I hey, was super we're... happy for you. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> how did that, how did I, how'd you land that? 
that was that was the fluke. That was the Friday oh, afternoon, four thirty. And they're like, "Come out, what size shoe are you?" I was like, "All right, cool, come out here." Uh, <laughs> but I'm not union yet. Don't worry about it. And then just, um, yeah. So it turns out whoever whoever's shoes I had to fill, they were fitted for two different costumes, and then schedules started shifting, and it ended up that they had to shoot both scenes involving both costumes on the same day. So everyone's scrambling to find somebody <laughs> to fit the same costume. <laughs> wow. Hey, 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 man. You're like the, the stuntman Cinderella, the slipper yeah, fit. <laughs> That's awesome. So so what happens when you go there now? Do they ask you, like, do they quickly, like, hey, what are your, what's your background? What's your capabilities? I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Like, how does that go down? Um. Well, like, I just send out my resume and my demo reel on the on the regular and then just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> no, but I'm saying once they, like you say, like they called you up, they're like, hey, what's your shoe size? Get the fuck down here. Once you get down there, what like what happened? Like walk us through that. Because oh, anybody who's aspiring to do this, you know, they can kind of have an idea of what it is, you know, what it, what it is to go through it. How spontaneous right. it can be, how hectic it can be. Well, once you, once you get booked for the days, they check your availability, which you always say yes, because that's yeah. how you get the job. And then, uh, and then there'll be a fitting of some sort where they give you the clothes that they want you to wear on the day, uh, depending on the character. Uh, and then there might be a rehearsal of some kind. They might clump the, the wardrobe fitting and the rehearsal together on the same day. So they only have to pay you the one day. And then- uh, Oh, wow, eh? That gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> that gets hot. the COVID test. You're like, yo, you got a COVID test? Here's your fitting. Here's your, you know. Off you go. <laughs> Wow, just like that, eh? Yeah, um, and then yeah, and then you generally have a rehearsal day, and then maybe another, maybe two rehearsal days, depending if they do a camera rehearsal, and then and then you're shooting. Uh, there's not too much deliberation about your talents and stuff. Might be just like what you might consent to, like if you like falling off a truck. That that'll happen like on the day, of like who wants to fall off a truck, and someone will just like you just kind of fall for that, and then. That's um, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that shit. Don't even. I, I would love to do it. They might ask like, "What kind of experience?" I haven't been asked that too much. Um, they might. They they asked me if I was willing to shave my head for this one gig for the. Because on Wu Assassins, if you saw me, I was the the bald chef that gets kidnapped. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of them anyway. That's dope. So, yo, what about it? Do you? What about it? Do you love? What makes you want to do it? What made you move? Because I mean, you had a good, uh, you had a good community where you're at. I mean, you and I share something in common: is we both had great instructors. Uh, Sean yeah, Zerger yeah. of FAC. I think he's a great guy. I'd love to actually get him on here. But yeah. uh, ever since I met Sean, you know, he's, he's a super cool cat. He's an intellectual, intellectual who can fuck you up. So uh, I like, I like that about him. He's got a really cool vibe. And he's a good instructor. So yeah. I know what it's like to not want to leave your, you know, what I would consider roots. I'm not sure if that's putting words in your mouth, but what made you love it so much that you would risk all everything and just fucking go? Well, it just wasn't, uh, didn't seem to be getting much out of it in Toronto. Like I had a great network and, uh, I knew a lot of people. Um, and I think I was in pretty, pretty good regard with everybody. It's pretty good standing with everybody. Um, there may have been some kind of, uh, political stuff by association, but I wasn't like directly involved with it. <laughs> so it was unfortunate, but you know, um, 
but uh, the, the the industry itself, there was a lot more uh, like red tape in the industry in Toronto. As far as I'm concerned, that was just my experience. You know, some people had it easier at times. Some people had a harder time. Just grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. And uh, I just wasn't I was having a really hard time getting into the union. So would you say like with this industry is very much like who, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, is very important. Even, even over here. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so what, what was it like when you first moved there? Like, um, you know, if you didn't know anybody yet or whatever, I'm sure you've met people now, but how did you cope with, um, not having, not having, uh, somebody there? Um, I think I was, I was on a bit of a, a rampage mode back then. Just like 2018 was the year. Like I went, I went to Thailand and trained for a month and then, uh, and then like scout, like strike out on my own and scouted out uh, in Vancouver for like a couple months, ended up being like four months. And so I was just excited to like meet all the people here and, and make, make some new friends. Because as far as I'm concerned, with, with people that I knew in Toronto, it was kind of like things on repeat. You know, you seeing the same people all the time and getting yeah. the same feedback. So uh, it takes a lot of courage to recognize that, though, and just say, "Fuck <laughs> it, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone and and just and just fucking try." You know what I mean? Did you when yeah. before you went out there? Did you give yourself like a timeline? Like, okay, I'm gonna head out here. I'm gonna risk it all. Put my marbles on the table. Yeah. Um, like, I give myself a year. If I don't have shit in a year maybe going to move back. Was that the case at all? Or was it just like, no, fuck it. I'm I'm going until I make it. It was, it was kind of like that. Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking about that when I, um, the move here, it was more when I was uh, scouting it out. It was just, I just kind of put a limit based on, uh, uh, when the weather would change and, and start getting rainy and cold. <laughs> but, I, but I delayed my departure anyway for about a month to see if I could get anything. And then, and then nothing happened, so I went back. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what else can I say about that? Yeah, no, not really. I just kind of trusted in myself. There was a little bit of doubt when I first got here, but like, shuck it up. I have was like kind of flexible. It was like one year and then monthly, so I could still I could still move if I wanted to with like some good flexibility. But uh, I'm still here. <laughs> what are you doing for training now, Jonathan? Are you have you found a gym up there, or are you just more of like uh, doing your own thing? Because I see you train a lot. You you know you go through your C lot motions, and I see you focus on like Muay Thai, and um, which is kind of like how I do it too. I kind of like uh, I, for me, it's like I have themes. Yes. Yeah. A month, or even sometimes weekly, or like a principle, and I'll try to play with it from every art that I, every, every interpretation that I know of, I'll visit that technique through the different arts. But uh, I noticed, I noticed you do that too. And I like that about you. I like that you're, um, you're an open-minded dude who uh, has a, a lot of good education in a, in a few different arts. So how do you, how do you do that there? Uh, have you found a gym or are you mostly self-training? Um, right now I'm mostly self-training like ever since COVID and the lockdown and stuff. There is one place that's a one of like two JKD places that I know of here. Oh, nice, uh, nice. That's uh, it's called Ancient Fire, and like the Maelstrom guys, the 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 Vancouver like Dog Brothers guys uh, train out of there. They had a merger just before I moved here, and oh, cool. uh, and joined up their gym, 
and then and then lockdown happened. <laughs> Good grind. I was at an MMA school doing uh, uh, Muay Thai sparring and jujitsu, like back to back, and then and then I would go to Ancient Fire, and they had the JKD and some more BJJ, and then and then uh, sparring. Uh, how how do you find the JKD there uh, compared to what you were learning here uh, in Toronto? Because Mar- like with with regards to stunt work, BC is the place to go. But um, as far as I understand, and I've never been there, which is why I'm asking. As far as martial arts, uh, Toronto is kind of like the mecca, I would say, right? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So how would you find the how do you find the contrast in training? quality training i'm sure they got good guys out there but how would you find that uh the difference like it's got to be easier to find a place to train in toronto i think i think the best way to describe it is is it's interesting because a lot of people describe vancouver as a whole this way and that's that it's kind of stuck in the 90s oh really (laughs) yeah just like from like the training i'd I'd rather be there man (laughs) (laughs) straight up (laughs) how so how so explain to me um, let's see. Well, they're, they're very heavy on just like reinforcing the basics. It's like you, you could go somewhere for a long, long time and not get out of like one and two kind of thing. And, and like conditioning base kind of thing. Oh, that's good. Um, so it's very like, it was like, it's like the North American kickboxing compared to like Thai kind of thing where it's just like, you know, it's get, <laughs> get really good at the basics and then out condition your, your opponent kind of thing. There's kind of there's also like kind of a karate. Uh, there's like karate roots here. So everyone's like, oh, you know. Wow, um, nice. <laughs> a lot of jujitsu there. Uh, there's good. There's good jujitsu here out here for sure. Alliance BJJ is out here. Um, you got a, you got a whole bunch of gyms for BJJ. Yeah. So when you're training, um, and this is where I had a like um, uh, a hard time. Because there were, at one point I was like, fuck, I'd still do it. But, like, uh, I'm not chasing the whole union thing. But um, mm-hmm. if everybody, anybody ever said, hey, Mark, we need a fucking guy to play a bad guy, uh, I'd love to do that shit. So, Jonathan, just putting that out there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, Jonathan, I mature in my career. <laughs> that's sorry. <laughs> I'll keep you in mind when I mature. Yeah, in my hey, hey, I can play a bad guy. I can play yeah. a bad guy. But, no, but listen, uh, what's the difference? Because I found, like uh, – translating your real martial arts training over to stunt work mm-hmm. is not necessarily as easy as what people would think. No. Can you kind of like give uh, some insight into that? Um, For these people who are possibly looking, who are training martial arts, looking to branch out into that industry. Well, it's uh, some people consider fighting for film like a completely different martial art. Um, but I think the majority of it is just this concept of like, uh, being able to be safe as you're performing. And of course there's like dramatic flair and like performance uh, yeah. that you add to it. But the, for the main part, in terms of technique, it's just like safety, uh, safety measures, right? Of just like, instead of targeting the actual face, you're going to be like a foot out or in either direction, depending where the camera is. And so you have to be aware of the camera and how to cross that line to sell the reaction um and now uh, like when you guys join uh well i'm sure they have classes that teach you how to do that stuff right like how the how to throw because depending where the angle is you need to know what the angle that the camera's seeing right so if the camera's on this side i'm punching past your face on this side 
Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like a general concept of like over the shoulder, right? If, if something, if, if there's a parrot looking over your shoulder at the person you're punching, you want to be able to break through that, pass through that line of sight. <laughs> so having, having a lot, I guess, control is going to be key. Pull yeah. back. Having pull. good control and good flow and rhythm is very important. And it's way more important than like uh, your timing for like your, if you had like counter timing or something like that. But I well, think it's, it's, it's not like you're fighting. So you don't no, have to work. Fighting. So like everything, everything is choreographed. So you have, you have to have the good uh, choreo memory. Like some people are good at fighting because their, their instincts are good or their reflexes are good, but they might not be able to remember a long combo. So now, for with regards to choreographing, would you attribute your ability to learn that and retain it quickly because of your training in traditional martial arts and training in forms? Mm. Do you think that helped you in any way? Because I could see that helping. Because oh, I yeah. started I started from traditional martial arts as well. And being able to retain and learn forms and get practice those set movements, I think yeah. that could actually help there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what art did you start in? What's that? What what traditional art did you start in? I did uh, Wing Chun. Yeah, I did Wing Chun back in like 2002, <laughs> and then and then I also did Chen style Tai Chi and Taekwondo. Oh, nice! Doing all three concurrently at one point, but then I ended up just doing Tai Chi. That's hard, eh? Doing multiple arts all at <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah, it just takes you so much longer. So you never did uh, you never did any wushu or anything like that? No, no. But so uh, that did ahead, Tai Chi. So like. We had the whole, our whole warm up and conditioning process was very similar to Wushu. So it kind of gave me somewhat similar attributes. Maybe not as much uh, speed and flair, but, uh, but yeah, like we would do the kicking drills, we'd be stretching for 15 minutes and then like kicking drills and then stance and then form work. Uh, and then wow. occasionally on Sundays, we would do push hands at the park. <laughs> that, that's dope. Hey, listen, man. I. I'm telling you, like nowadays, I think I don't think people get to appreciate that as much. Like the old school training where you're, you know, a few guys in the park or on a beach or something like that. Uh, for me personally, I I prefer that over sometimes over a gym. Uh, there's something about training outside that is like um, just feels uh, like historic. You know what I mean? It just yeah. it's a it's a different energy altogether. Yeah, for sure. How often do you do training outside? Um, not, not very often right now. Well, it's been, it's been like really rainy and cold recently and, uh, I haven't been feeling that hardcore. So <laughs> I haven't been going to train in the rain. Just, you know, I was doing that early on in the, in the during, uh, earlier yeah, I see you, last I see year. You, I seen you stick some tie pads on a post. Yeah. And you were kicking. Oh, I was yeah, like, look at this guy. I'm like, that's, you know what? But Hey, listen. But that's the kind of shit, like, you have to find ways to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? And you have to be innovative and you have to be creative and whatever gets the fucking job done. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people do that. Instead of crying about, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that. You're not looking to do that. You're looking to actually find a way to do what you got to do. I think people need that mindset if they want to actually chase after something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got, I got like this random load-bearing pillar here in my apartment and I've like put tape on it for like eyes and a chin and like a solar plexus you know just for accuracy <laughs> well, yeah just for accuracy and then i was uh during early lockdown i was doing boz rutin's uh kickboxing no, workouts. I, saw, 
I just did it with my student the other day. I'm like, hey, let's come come over. Let's burn some covert fat off. So we did the, uh, so we did the boss rootin and then we did some pad work and then we just cooled down with some like uh, accuracy type drills. You know, like I yeah, kick yeah, him, yeah. I kick him in the chest, he kicks me in the chest. I kick him in the thigh, he kicks me in the thigh. But uh, yeah, no, indeed. Hey, listen, I even tell people like record yourself on your phone. Yeah. You know, and then just do it that way. Like if you don't have you know access. But uh, so what is your um, what is your stretch routine like for to maintain your flexibility? Because um, I would assume, and this is just me, uh, like, I, like I don't know for sure, but I would say that like these flip kicks and these uh, tricks and stuff like this is something that's appealing to people when they're looking for stunt work. Is, mm-hmm. is that safe to say? So that being said, like if that's your bread and butter, how often are you training the flexibility and the mobility in order to maintain? I try to train the flexibility and mobility uh, as often as I can. Sometimes I'll go through a streak of like being able to to wake up and do a warm up, uh, and then like do a stretch before I go to sleep for like a week in a row. But you know it falters here and there. Sometimes yeah. I get a busy schedule and just want to go to bed. Um, of course. But how how important is that to the industry? To the industry, well, I feel like there are people that are more specialized in acrobatics than I am that they'll probably hire over me for those situations. But it's good to to for people to know that you do have some of that air awareness and uh, and coordination at least if they need you to do something slightly acrobatic and doesn't require a specialist. Um, and for wire work, it helps a lot too. Tell it's me about that. That's one thing I never got to do and it looks like it's a shitload of fun. Um, the wire work, um, it's a lot of fun. It's like re- reliving, you know, the like old, old, old kung fu movies, kung fu movies, and TV shows that I grew up watching, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, part of me is like, finally, get me out of wire. <laughs> I feel like I have better talent on that than the than the acro, you know. <laughs> so how does that work? Like, um, when you do that stuff, do they like? Is it like, um, are they able to hold you and suspend you? Or is it yeah, is usually you got like the the Kevlar vest with lots of pick points on it, so you clip the thing to, to, to depending what kind of flight you want on your body. Right? You pick it like higher up on the back, then you're gonna get pulled up a certain way. Put it lower on the back, you get pulled up a certain way, and then you just have to coordinate with with the pullers uh, who are on a pulley system, and so they might come off a ladder and like pull you up and then feather you down so you don't break anything. Um, and sometimes it's a, it's an air, air, air piston that, or an air ram that they call it. And they call that a ratchet. So, so they charge up this air piston that's attached to the rope that you're at. And this is usually for like big explosions or, or superpowers or something you get blasted back 20 feet. And so you've got the rope holding you up and then they go and then the, the air ram goes off and you go and you go flying off. <laughs> oh, that's that's fucking cool. What about if you're like forced to do like uh, like corkscrews and stuff like that? Is it a different type of wiring system altogether? Um, it depends. Like, they might have something that wraps around you, or they might have a, a certain harness that that can that can attach and you can spin inside it. So there'll be like a ball bearing kind of setup in there. Um, it depends. And so, like when you first did that, did you have to get training for that, or is it just like, hey, kid, get in here and off you go? Oh, well, I haven't really uh, done work days for it necessarily. So all of the stuff that I've done for it has just been practice and training and experimentation. <laughs> I, did you go to, uh, when you were in Ontario, did you go to the monkey vault a lot? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. And how did you find that place? Like, as I, because I, I know a lot of people went there uh, to like kind of that's where they got a lot of their training for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing tricking since before Monkey Vault was even built, and like I went to the very first one. Yeah, I remember that. And it had a capoeira school like right beside it too. Did it? Oh man! Yeah, it was, it was like a little tiny place. Yeah. You walk in. They had like the wood pegs on the wall. They had the stairs, the balcony. <laughs> they had the like, little uh, mezzanine up in the top behind yeah, it. Where yeah. it was. They had a little pool, and yeah. they had a little, little rock climbing in the far back wall. I remember that. And there yeah. was like a capoeira school, like two doors over, in the little oh, no, uh, right. yeah, man. I remember that. <laughs> So, yeah, so like, how did you get into tricking, man? What made you want to get into tricking? Oh, wow. This goes way back. Let's see. I think I wanted to learn how to do a backflip at one point because I had I was switching into just doing Tai Chi. And kind of when I went into Wing Chun, it was more of a more of a combative striking thing. I just wanted to hit people. <laughs> <laughs> teenager things and then, and wow. then as i got into as i got into more and more tai chi started doing form competitions and whatnot i was like maybe i'll just get into flashy stuff like how do i do a backflip that's cool that's why i asked you if you did wushu because i was like oh this guy might i think this guy might have done wushu yeah but no right i kind of wish i did but you know that's, that's just how it is now i'm, I'm, well, I'm all the that i met here sometimes i'm trained i'm trained i'm giving him wing chun he's giving me wushu so that's the best, man. Barter yeah. is the best. <laughs> so um, how long did it take you to do your backflip? Oh man. Months at least. Had to be months. Months to years. I like I started getting into uh this website called Tricks Tutorials. And it's run by a man named John Call, and his handle is Jujimufu. You've probably seen his videos. Maybe. So so he's he's like all into powerlifting and acro. Um, his program is called Acrobolics. And uh, and he had a whole forum, online community of these trickers talking about uh, talking about training methods and how to condition your ankles, uh, strength and conditioning related stuff, all these things. So like it was just a whole vortex of that between like 2003 to 2006 and i feel like 2006 was when i really started actually making progress on my tricking um and getting consistent with like with things like backflips but because you get into it and it's like here are the basic tricks that you can do and i some of them i could do and some of them i couldn't so yeah. <laughs> i can't do a backflip anymore once upon a time i could do it and yeah. enough with shit i actually have it on camera but if i did it now i would fucking just smash <laughs> my face so, but like, it's, it's kind of like weird, like how the body's not used to being upside down. And like, uh, like I, I bailed a lot, like halfway through. Yeah. Did you ever actually, did you ever injure yourself, uh, messing around with that? Oh, Have you ever had any serious injuries? For the backflip specifically? Any tricking, like any tricking. Did you ever get any serious injuries doing that shit? Uh, I broke my foot in three places one time. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that. I broke three, uh, metatarsals. How did you do that? I, uh, I was coming off of a trampoline. So we're at a gymnastics facility. There's a big Olympic style trampoline into a big old foam pit. And uh, sometimes when you feel like you're making progress on something, you put a mat, you put a crash mat on top of the foam pit. So it feels like you have a surface to land on, but it's still soft. Yeah. So it was a pit full of soft things, right? What could go wrong? So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, 
So my friend was like egging me on to do this uh, front flip off the off the trampoline with the one and a half rotation. So we they call that a Rudy. Some people call it a Rudy. There's like delineation of terms or whatever, but uh, one front flip with a one and a half. And I was getting pretty close into the just the pit, but of course the pit you like sink in like it's quicksand, and it takes a while to get out. And so I tried it a couple times on the mat and I was getting really close and he was like, you just gotta get more height and then, you know, get into it. So I land like at like a 20 degree angle facing forward, right? Oh. And like my one foot was straight and the other foot was like that. And so, and so my toes went that way and my knee went that way, like, oh, a, no. like a heel hook, right? Oh, no. <laughs> and I like tried to bend my knees and fall backward because that seemed like a good thing to do. But then because I was at such a steep angle, I just kind of crumpled into my foot. Oh, man. How long were you out <laughs> for? Um, at least six months. Like that, yeah, happened, right? that happened wow. in the summer. That happened in the summer after I graduated uh, university. <laughs> um, so, like, with being a stuntman now, like, how conscientious do you have to be now? Like, I can't... You know, I got to maintain my tricking. I got to keep up my training, but like, I can't fuck myself up either because I can't work. What is that like? How extra cautious are you now when you're doing that kind of stuff? Or if you're like you always kind of been on the side of caution and wanting to have as many uh, progressions towards things as I could. So like, That's I've never really been the balls to the walls, cowboy kind of mentality. And I think uh, the industry as a whole is moving away from that now because uh lives were cheaper 50 years ago <laughs> wow. and, and there's still there's still a bit of that like one to two generations back of just like there's people that are uh you know uh, just a little bit older than me that would be like well you know back in my day they'll you know you break a hip and then you move on <laughs> yeah that's so cut and dry anymore yeah liabilities and things what's your ultimate like what's your ultimate goal when it comes to to this industry you're in what would be like what would be the gig that you could be like in my books i fucking made it i did it i'm i'm proud of myself probably martial arts choreography but the, the more I get into it and the older I get, the more convoluted that path looks. So if, if I get there, I get there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. are, you looking, are you looking like, are you actually doing, um, do you do acting lessons as well to supplement so that, you know, you're not just doing the stunt work, but you're actually getting into like possibly like a lead role with like your own stunts type of type of thing. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be awesome to be an action star or something like that. Right. Yeah, man. Just keep doing it. You never know. Right. I've only just started uh, getting into uh, what I would consider formal acting classes. Like I went, I went, I was in, uh, I had some acting related electives while I was in film school. And, uh, and I did a lot of theater arts when I was in, I was in high school. But beyond that, I've had no like uh, post-secondary kind of uh, acting training. I'm not a conservatory actor or anything like that. But it's good to supplement with just just to be able to perform and be in character, um, and to to maybe transition away from just doing stunts and getting smashed up all the time. Uh, right, because I mean, like, I, like don't get me wrong. I think it's fucking super dope that you're doing that shit. Like. Um... Like I'd love doing that stuff, but again, it wasn't never. It wasn't something like where it was you, 
who like was passionate about it and chased it. I was just kind of like, I'm lazy, uh, but I'll do it. I like doing martial arts and I wouldn't mind doing it. But, um, but yeah, I could like, it's gotta be something where, you, you know, cause you're a martial artist, right? So martial arts, uh, it really makes people want to progress. It really makes people want to keep building off what they know. And so yeah. I would imagine that you would want to do kind of like the same thing within the industry that you're doing. Right. Because, you know, why stop? Why stop here when you know there's there could be so much more, right? Yeah. Well, um, I feel like it's it's very it's very much uh, more complicated and and diverse than than just like progressing in martial arts. Like I feel like I've sacrificed a lot of opportunities to get like martial arts related accolades and 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 like instructorships or whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, or to like build a following in that regard just because mm -hmm. I wanted to pursue film. And you don't really get uh, certifications or anything out of that. Uh, no, other than like, heights or like your CPR or something, you know? <laughs> and with regards to, like with regards to martial arts teaching, are you are you interested in becoming, like doing that as well as a, as a possible uh, passion or, or um, livelihood? Are you looking, because you're very capable. I had been considering it for a while. Um, but right now it's sort of like, I'll, I'll teach people if they ask me, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not your focus. Yeah, no, like, unless, unless I can operate out of a gym, uh, or a dojo mm -hmm. and then it's just going to be private sessions by request on a sliding scale kind of thing. And what, what do you, what is you, um, like, what's your focus? What would you say you are? If you were to call yourself any type of practitioner with, with regards to art, what would you say your forte is or what would you say your passion in teaching is? Oh boy. Because you're very well-rounded as well. You've been around. You've done a lot of different arts. Yeah. Um, like even with me knowing you, I didn't really know. Like I know you, but I don't know you well. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but one thing I like about you is that you do, like I, I feel like I, I relate to you on that level because I like to, I, I dabble in a lot as well, right? Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like the best way to identify myself is like is JKD, but it's not necessarily JKD as the the discipline itself that's been like written down or whatever, right? Um, because JKD is essentially kind of like a, the Lost Boys Club for for martial artists who just had to move around a lot when they were growing up, you know? Because uh, like that. <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> I like that. The Lost Boys Club. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> so for J with regards to JKD, right? Because you 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 trained under Sean. Yeah. For your JKD. And Sean, if I'm not mistaken, is under Makoto. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Makoto was under Vunak. Yes. So talk to me about how how that how that introduction was with, with Sean. How did you meet Sean? How did you start your JKD training there, or if it was even there? The uh, very first time I met Sean was in like 2008 when I went to the Throwdown because I read about it on Bullshito forums, um, which and, is which is a which was a great place for the martial arts and the community, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then back then, I don't know what it was, but I, I couldn't. Quite get on board with with the vibe there just yet. It just seemed kind of like almost too dangerous or something. 
Yeah, in its early days, it was a little more badass. Like, I'm just going to go stick with, like, an MMA gym. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, believe it or not, I had my first uh, stick fight there. It was padded. He went easy on me because I was popping my cherry. But, uh, yeah, Sean was great. But anyway, sorry, back back to what you were saying. Yeah, um, I went away for a while and did – uh just mma related stuff and then switched into like stage combat for a while just doing my own thing and then when i uh decided to go back to school for chinese medicine in 2014 uh i decided to join up at sean's school just because i I felt like it might not be as uh, exhausting as going to uh bjj and muay thai concurrently and I might learn something that's more uh, on the technical side rather than just like conditioning and sparring and then just get my get my ass beat when I have like an exam the next day. <laughs> that's just that's, yeah, it was really cool. I really appreciated like the intellectual kind of side of things. The intellectual maturity of, yeah. of a JKD school really, really pulled me in. Um, and yeah, you're also, you're also sort of like industry standard, like in the in the film industry, that, that people people look to JKD and FMA uh, just for general purposes. Why do you? Why is that? That's that's interesting to me. Why is that? Um, I think a big part of it had to do with uh, the born identity and and the, mm. the of school in LA. Like a lot mm. of stunt guys train out of there, and they're not exactly. Uh, they're not just geared towards combat sports, which is what I ended up doing for a while back in Toronto. Um, and so there's a huge connection there to the film industry itself. You know, Dan Santo has been involved since Bruce Lee. And yeah. uh, even with sports. You know, yeah. out, of, out of there. Uh, yeah. So once you started training with Sean, uh, at what point did you start experimenting with the um, with the sea lot? It was kind of right off the bat, actually, because uh, around the time when I joined uh, Sean's school, that was when the raid came out, and so Sila oh, was a huge so. trending thing. And I was like, "Oh wow, these guys! Only these guys uh, in Toronto are teaching Silat kind of per se." And, and this is before the SSBD. This was this was in the midst of SSBD. He had already done some uh, uh, PCK, uh, and and yeah, some training with Mall. And, and maybe Alvin as well. But he was really focused on the SSBD at the time when I first joined in. Yeah. I didn't know any of the abbreviations. So he'd be like, Sean comes out of the class. So what do you guys want to do? Some SSBD, some PCK, some blah, blah. I'm like, what are these words? <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's hilarious. So the SSBD for me is like, uh, I like it. I mean, I, me- I remember going there. The f- I remember watching Maul. And like I, I fucking like stumbled onto a video on YouTube. And I was like, "Oh, what the fuck is this? This looks pretty cool." That uh, these, you know, some of this material looks familiar, but you know, from different reference points. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was digging mall. Um, I wasn't like, you know, every video or subscribe, but I, if I seen him, I'd be like, "Oh, yeah, I'm gonna check this guy out. I like some of his shit." And then, um, and then I see like Sean's like hosting this guy. I'm like, "What? That's fucking cool!" Like, so I I made sure I was there right away. And you know what? It was. I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed the seminar. I thought. Um, I thought a lot of it was um, very useful. 
And then there was some of it that was just like, what the one thing I took away from that seminar was I really enjoyed the basic uh, knife drills we had, mm-hmm. where it was like block inside return, block inside return, and then parry it on the outside. But what I really liked was how we kept it to like um, a combat, like military type battlefield uh, drill set where you'd be doing this and then he'd just tell you to switch and you would just attack the next person. Yeah. Uh, like I, I keep the, that kind of drills uh, all the time. It's very live. It's very, it'll get your adrenaline going. It's very safe. Um, but the SSBD itself is a whole different flavor than, uh, you know, some of the other CLAT, which is very low base. And I know you train it as well. Can you like just give me a quick spiel on like the difference between the two, what you like more be- between the two, what you think the pros and cons are? Okay, so the two main uh, styles of CLAT that, that uh, Sean led me to exploring are SSBD, which we talked about, and uh, SBL, which is, uh, which is a ground. Well, they start off on the ground as a, as a starting point and they build up to you, you have agility standing up as well. And um, the difference would be like at first that's that's mainly it one starts off on the feet and it's focused on handwork so it's kind of like a kuntao approach and okay. culturally it's it's uh linked to uh like royalty and so you got to stand up straight and you're fighting very, on these narrow, narrow bridges on the waterways very proud art yeah so you got to stand up straight and like whoever you're fighting you, do, you don't want to like do a double leg on them because that like status wise that means you stooped below them so you punch them in the liver so that they stoop below you, and then you push them into the river where the alligators get them. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I remember him saying something like that. Yeah, um, and then SBL is more from uh, from uh, Indonesia, I believe. Yeah, it's in, more of an Indonesian style, but it's still not like Penchak Silat that you would see uh, where they're doing competitions and stuff. Um, I, I would liken it almost, it's almost like a halfway point between uh, Penchak Silat and like Moy Boran, um, mm. and you and you start off on the ground and you get strong in all these positions. And um, Alvin Ganenau, who is the instru- uh, head instructor of that system, um, where is he out of? He is out of the UK. The UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's out of. Uh, uh, he's a British lad, and. Uh, learned this style of silat and like de- kind of developed a conditioning system out of it w- designed to help uh westerners do silat because <laughs> in, in indonesia natively everyone kind of sits on the floor anyway they're used to moving around and having that mobility um but in the western world we grow up with chairs and and uh and toilet bowls and, and such and so you never really have to squat down too low or like swivel around on the ground, so you uh, the hip, hip mobility and and such, so that you can do these maneuvers. Now, historically, why why is it that they do, with regards to that art? Why is it such a low based art? Does that have to do with terrain or like yeah. where, where does that come from? I think that is definitely related to the terrain in a more uh, grassy jungle. Uh, open kind of terrain, maybe even sandy or muddy. Well, it's interesting, right? You wouldn't really want to be grinding your knees around if you're in like a rooty jungle area. No, but you know what? Like I find it very, very interesting. Like 
like a common friend of ours or a common person we've sparred with, uh, Dave from Combat. Remember when he did the Shark Tank? The 11th yeah. Street? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Dave's got a really, really good uh, low. Like he's able to stay low in his stance and mm -hmm. be very fluid. And yeah. not just be defensive, but like attack well. And that's something that I was like, I like that kind of energy. Not a lot of people give me that energy. Not to say that I prefer to fight that way, but I like fighting Dave because he makes me, um, he makes me have to change because it's something I'm not used to. Right. Uh, do you use a lot of that when you when you spar or when you play around with the stick or anything like that? Um, or do you find that it's just something you like training for? For the mobility and flexibility i do like it for the mobility and flexibility i feel like uh sbl itself has helped me more with with uh grappling and yeah grappling and uh, jiu-jitsu stuff more so than than stick sparring that's where usually the uh the ssbd might come out in weapon sparring more so so yeah that's that's interesting so you would you would advocate ssbd more to and like an application in a sparring context and the SBL, is that, is that correct? The SBL yeah. Yeah. for mobility and, uh, and flexibility type of uh, regimen. Yeah, I think so. I think there's definitely a huge value in the, in the conditioning aspect of uh, SBL. Cause like once you get into techniques and sequences and things like that, everything becomes very, very similar. Um, and then and how much of that helps you in the jujitsu game? It's uh, it's definitely brought another layer to like uh, my top game specifically, just being able to move around and uh, you know, there's a person under you helping you keep your balance while you're moving around. <laughs> <laughs> how, long, how long have you been dabbling in jujitsu, John? I uh, I've been a white belt since 2006. <laughs> you know what? I try to be a white belt. I try to be my, a white belt my whole life, man. <laughs> Have you competed in uh, in jujitsu? No, no, I never like I never stuck around for long enough. Um, when I first started back in 2006, it was at Toronto BJJ, and then oh, is that on Christie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started there. Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, man, I started there way. Actually, no, that's a lie. That's the second place I went to. The very first place I ever started training martial arts uh, was Academy of Martial Arts. Uh, downtown Brampton. It was a Goju Ryu system, and they had uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu as a oh, supplementation. Was that, and then was that when Shaw I moved, sorry, that's Shaw Franco. Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, it was like 2002, but okay, it was uh, downtown Brampton Academy of Martial Arts. Okay, and the guy who taught Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it was it was a white young white young white guy, but he was really good. Okay. And then uh, when I moved to Toronto, I started training there, and they had uh, BJJs there. But I only wanted to do the BJJ, not the, the Goju. Okay. Um, and they said, no, you can't do one without the other. So I left. And then I started training. Uh, so different then, right? And then I started training um, uh, at a Kung Fu place. I was doing Mopai. It was actually Mopai Kempo. And then I discovered uh, Toronto BJJ because I had a friend who was uh, training there. And it was nice. I, uh, there was uh, the upstairs. I think at the time, I think a guy named Fabricio was teaching there. I can't remember, but anyway, Toronto BJJ was a great place, man. I remember that place. Yeah. I, uh, I ended up doing, uh, more Muay Thai there for a while. <laughs> I knew like I was coming from traditional background and then like 
and then wanting to do BJJ kind of simply because MMA was trending. But then I just like I just liked Muay Thai better, so I just got into that a little bit more. Just kind of had to like force myself to go to BJJ. Um, yeah, and then it just just really on and off. Like my my dedication and discipline are just like not there for that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like honestly though, for a person who's like competing in jujitsu or you know want to attain a certain level, that's one thing. But even even the way that you're dabbling in it. There's nothing wrong with that because basic jujitsu skills can save your fucking ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Against somebody who has no, you know, grappling. You get into some altercation with, you know, your average fucking guy. Yeah. Even the time that you have is going to give you a huge, huge edge over over somebody. I mean, we're not talking about weapons though, but just uh, just a straight grappling, like it'll still give you uh, a huge edge over somebody who doesn't have that training. Yeah. So I mean, it's not it's not a waste. There's nothing wrong with that, but. How 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 often would you say you you trained it? Like when you were training, how often were you training? Like once a week, twice a week? Probably probably twice a week. Yeah, I think it was a and Monday Wednesday kind of thing back then. And what did you like the most about it? What did you hate the most about it? Because uh... obviously you may, you might not have committed to it, but you kept going back. Um, <laughs> he doesn't I don't know. know. That's a hard one. <laughs> I know. Eh? It's like a special person that keeps going back after somebody tries to choke you. <laughs> honestly, like I, I trained get out of the chokes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly train jujitsu because I fucking hate it. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like somebody uh, on top of me trying to choke me. But it's the one thing I know. Like if I don't at least, you know, have some education here. Yeah. I realize that's a place. That I can get hurt, so yeah, I like try to kind of thing, right? Yeah, and it's weird. I like I love grappling when I stick fight. It's just I mean, <laughs> you, it's it works for me. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, I don't know if I necessarily do that in real life. But uh, with regards to stick fighting, I love I love I love using it there. And and uh, with regards to stick fighting, what is your what is your favorite kind of sparring to do? Do you like stick fighting? Because I've sparred, I've I've seen you spar and stick fighting, but do you like sparring Muay Thai more? Do you like sparring? Uh, like, what, where's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite art to spar in? I think why? I like Muay Thai the most. Muay Thai the most. So you're more of a stand-up guy, obviously. Yeah. Well, why Muay Thai? I don't know. I feel like I just have um, just the most prepared for that kind of situation. <laughs> Out of, out of all the other types of sparring I could be doing, I feel like I've had, um, you know, more experience with striking arts just generally. And do you like incorporate your, your, cause you mentioned earlier that you would consider yourself more of a JKD guy, but you're saying that you enjoy sparring in a Muay Thai. Do you merge those two together? Yeah. How yeah, do you merge that? Because some people are going to be like, oh, how can no, JKD is its own thing? You know, you're how do you prepping with boxing gloves on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know how it is. How, how, do you, how do you employ your 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 JKD training into like a Muay Thai context? Um, it, it depends who I'm sparring. Uh, sometimes it just kind of occurs to me to, to, to try one or two things. And, and sometimes it just comes out by itself. Uh, 
Yeah, like I remember when I first started doing uh, uh, a lot of Muay Thai in Toronto. That was at TKMT. I was there for I was there for a while, maybe a couple of years. When yeah. you were in Thailand, did you spend a lot of time training at a at a gym? I was in Thailand for a month in 2018, specifically to do Muay Thai at uh, at Master Toddy's. And how was that, man? How was the uh, how was the Thai training there compared to now? Compared uh, to here, sorry. To compared to here, there's a lot more. Well, I I don't even I've never even been to any other Thai gym, so like that was the only gym in Thailand experience that I had, and I went there because a friend of mine recommended it to me based on the fact that I didn't want to just go and be a tourist and get yelled at to get tired because I wasn't a fighter. And then he, you know, it was like, get into the science of fighting right away. And like, they get right into uh, fight related drills, right? You do, you do the warm up, and then, and then you get it. And then one of the part of the warm up is this thing called, uh, <laughs> they have a dramatic name for it called the eye of the tiger. So you like try to maintain eye contact and have your guard up where while your friend is like doing this to your face and you try uh, the flinch. Uh, and be honest. When he said that, did you hear the song in your head? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Bad joke. Anyway. <laughs> Fun fact. Master Toddy also has his own 30-round uh, soundtrack that it's the same song, and you hear no. his voice, and when there's 30 seconds left, you hear him go, la, 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 la. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have this I fucking up my entire training there. <laughs> you have this song on fucking. You can send that to me. It's like that'll be my new ringtone. <laughs> so, is it, so <laughs> is it more vigorous? Like, did you, did you find that it was way more vigorous, or did you find it was more like fight IQ based? It was way more fight IQ based compared to my experience in North America. Wow, for sure. So what's like the, what's like the main things you took away from there? Mm, main things. There were so many things. Um, just like uh, just fuck. I'm curious. That's a, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Uh, Is this like refinement on just your fundamentals? Yeah, I think so. Well, like just the drills were just super unique to me, right? They had uh, like I can go from top down. Like we get the boxing, uh, boxing drill. They called it the traffic drill, where you're out of distance with your partner and you're just kind of throwing hands at the targets. They have like specific targets here, here, whatever. But that just relates to whether your fist is this way or your fist is that way for the chin or whichever way you're doing. And then so you're doing this to each other, and and as I as I throw, there's like negative space around that area so what's open right and the other person is trying to throw into that space at the same time oh right? that's cool. this yeah. there's a space over here so you would ideally throw a hook and sometimes yeah. you accidentally fist bump each other but then you just keep going you know so you're learning to counter on the openings created by the other person's strike without actually hitting them by accident yeah so exactly and creating a yeah you start out of distance with no boxing gloves whatsoever and you just a reaction drill yeah yeah, and then you, you're, you're essentially shadow boxing. You're shadow box. That's great for six feet distance in uh, COVID land. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, it's shadow sparring, right? I remember doing yeah. that in uh, in Hong Kong, and it was like they would slap a a tie pad down between the two of you, and you're like, "Don't touch the tie pad. You're gonna shadow spar." And then you just, you know, when did, you go, when did you go to Hong Kong? 
Hmm? When did you go to Hong Kong? Um, well, I would go, uh, it wasn't like a regular thing, but I would go roughly once a year just to visit. And most of my family's in Hong Kong, so. Uh, and did you do some training while you were down there as well? Or Yeah, I would always find some time to do some training. Um, what's the tra- what's the vibe like there for the training? Like this is this is amazing. This is cool to me because you gotta understand something. I'm fucking scared of fucking planes, right? Okay. So I don't travel like very often. I've been to Portugal, I've been to Cuba, I've been to Jamaica. Like three hours, no problem. I can kind of handle that shit. Born <laughs> to Portugal, I was white knuckling the whole way there. So <laughs> traveling is not for me, but I'm very interested in like how you know, different cultures or different places train? Like, what, what's it like? Oh, okay, okay. So, um, uh, if we're talking about, like, Muay Thai and kickboxing specifically in Hong Kong, there's a huge focus on interval training, or at least at the time that I was there. And it was interesting. Yeah. It was the same... When was that? Uh, to 2007? Okay. Yeah. 2007, I was there uh, after my first year of university, working at a bar, that like, <laughs> it was on the bar strip, right? So I'm not wearing this bar. The door right next to it, upstairs, that's the Muay Thai gym. So I would go, <laughs> go and do Muay Thai from five to six and then show up to work at seven o'clock and my shift would end at 4 a.m. <laughs> what? That's cool. That's and, cool. Uh, and it's like, it's either a result of like, people trying to be efficient with their time or whatever, but interval training was huge. So we'd get on the bag and it'd be like 20 seconds of kicks and then 10 seconds of shadow boxing, 20 seconds of kicks. And then the next workout, you're literally just like running on the spot, 30 seconds fast, 10 seconds slow, 30 seconds fast, 10 seconds. Like the whole thing would just be interval training or high intensity interval training or Tabata. You know, it was was hardcore. Oh, that shit's firing, man. That's just yeah. and, they, and they make you do that, and it's like the the whole concept is like speed kills, and like you have to out sprint your opponent because when you first start out, it's like a it's like two two minute rounds or something like that. And I went to watch watch fights one time, and I saw I saw multiple examples of like this guy looks really technical. He's being evasive, and he's like scoring, and then the other guy just like just sprints through him for two rounds and wins the fight. <laughs> I was like, I had my money was on the technical guy, but then the other person just like just bulldozed their way through, sprints wow. through both rounds, and then and then that's how you that's how you start off, I guess, before you wow. have to be, before you're forced to become more strategic with longer rounds and more rounds. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> and when you were in Thailand, did you go and watch any of the comp- competition there? Did you get to go to Lipini Stadium or any of the other? Other stadiums to kind of just enjoy the fights there and watch the fights. We went there. to uh, we went to watch the the MX Moy Extreme. Okay. Yeah, and that was like a regular thing on Fridays, but uh, I think we only went twice during my month there. Um, yeah. What's that? What's that vibe like compared um, to like let's say you know uh, an amateur pro uh, competition here in North America? What's the difference in vibe there? What's the difference? There was a lot of uh, it was like indoors. It was in a kind of stadium setting. It was like pretty prime time, you know. Uh, it was all it was all on TV, and you know, lights and lasers and and all the all of the things were there. So it was a pretty big big sporting event kind of thing. I didn't end up going to watch uh, any of the fighters go fight at the gym because for some reason they 
didn't have fights just during that month. I don't know. So if you, if you got an opportunity to, to, to go train and say, hey, Jonathan, we're going to give you this role in this movie, you know, uh, where would be the place you would love to go shoot? You would love to go shoot in? Somewhere in Europe, I guess. I've never been to Europe. You've never been to Europe? Where have you you've been to? What, Asia? You've been to South America? I've been to Asia. I haven't been to South America. No? I've been to South America? Mostly, mostly a lot of places in... Mostly a lot of places in Asia and uh, and like North America. Yeah. Where in Europe would Where in Europe would you like to go? Where Well, what's the hot spot for like filming uh, in Europe right now? I'm not even sure. Uh, probably the UK. Uh, probably UK is pretty big. Uh, yeah, I would say the UK, but like various. It's like it's location based. Uh, just based on what kind of scenery they want, you know. Hungary's got really great scenery. If you've watched like Band of Brothers, and I was okay. like, I, that, and I was like, I want to go there. <laughs> Man, there's so many. There's there so many. That. It's like, oh, Hungary, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like the, the film industry is like, it, it seems to be something that's, it's for the guy who can like kind of pick up and go on the fly. You know, how does that affect, like, how does that affect your, like, family life? How does that affect your, like, personal life? You know, because th there is a lot of sacrifice there, man. And not to get too personal or anything like that, but, like, you know, like, I think people who are possibly interested in doing this kind of shit need to, need to, need to take that into consideration. Yeah, there's definitely a sacrifice in um, stability and structure in terms of, like, your general lifestyle. <laughs> Because you don't know, you get like, uh, like I used to think two weeks was advance notice until I tried to like book out a space or something. And they're like, are you kidding me? We've been booked up for three months, right? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was two weeks. Because uh. sometimes you get as little as like two days notice or like the day of. Like a, like the like the Wu Assassins are literally 4.30 on a Friday. And like, hey, come out to the burbs, right? Yeah, and you can't skip on that, man. Like, you got to take up that opportunity or somebody else will, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's uh, – well, listen, man. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, but okay. I really appreciate I really appreciate you uh, you uh, taking the time to do this with me. And uh, I, I think it's pretty dope what you do, and you're a really talented guy, man. And uh, I like you. I like seeing what you do, man. Like, I'm 40 years old, so I can't really do too many backflips right now. Uh, unless I trip over my kids' toys, but hey, listen, I would, I would love, uh, you know, after this, you know, maybe sometime you can give me some uh, routines to practice for mobility. Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, mobility drills, I think that would be pretty cool if, you, if you're willing to share that. Okay. And uh, well, maybe we can do this again, but uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate it. Thank I can, you. I can appreciate your hustle, man, and the hard work, and you're definitely talented, man, so I, w I wish you the best. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. And uh, it was great to like reminisce about all this stuff too. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I I I don't know if I got to um, I don't know if I got to to actually I can't remember, but I can't remember if we got to actually spar as a throwdowns. I know we I know we've uh, we did. I was really scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> was it my nose? Was it my nose? <laughs> you're in like your your sprinter stance, and then you do your Superman thrust. I'm like, oh man. This uh, across the whole room, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> uh, 
we got to we got to we got to do some stick fights though, man. <laughs> I think we've seen each other t- a few times too at um uh two Han Phillips when uh Guru Dan was there. I remember you went there with Sean and stuff like that. We we're seeing you guys there. But yo, man, listen, like I said, I've known you, but I don't. I haven't known you like super well, but I, I I'd like to get to know you more. I'd like to train with you anytime you're around, man. You're super talented. Yeah, really good attitude, man. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate all your hard work and your work Thank ethic. You. I appreciate it. All right, man. So where can they where can they uh, follow you? Where can they see all your cool your cool shit? I got your Instagram here. Follow me on Instagram. It's Kung Fu JP. Where else and, can they Where else can they see your stuff, man? Where Where can we see your reel, man? My reel My reel is on YouTube. There should be a link in my in my on my Instagram bio. Okay, and, perfect. I'm gonna take a clip of that for the intro here. Okay. Do. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Till the next time, Jonathan. Thank you so much. I wish you the Thanks. best of luck, man. When you get famous, like I said, you need a fucking bad guy. With a mean mug, keep it calm, brother. I'll do it. All right. All right. All right. Later, brother. All right. Take it easy.